All right. Good morning. So today, uh, we're going to talk about what is both a uh, basic device in itself, the amplifier, and it also serves as a uh, real key example of both nonlinear analysis and small signal analysis. So today, dependent sources and amplifiers. So uh, let me first spend a few seconds uh, just pointing out to you uh, some of the key points from our previous lectures. Um, I also want to point out that each chapter in the course notes has a summary at the end of it. And if you take a quick scan of the summary at the end of each chapter, it gives you, it highlights the major takeaway points from each chapter. Um, it stresses what's important, and uh, if you have to remember a few things, what are those things to remember? So to quickly review, um, we talked about a few primitive elements, uh, resistors, voltage sources, and so on, and by now you should have the facility to play around with these device elements. And then we talked about the node method, and this is kind of the workhorse of 6002, right? When in doubt, use the node method, okay? And uh, this will work both for linear circuits and nonlinear circuits, okay? So um, if you see a problem or if you see a situation in real life that requires analysis, then as a first step, you should try to think of whether you can apply some of the key intuitive shortcut methods. Superposition, one of my favorites. Uh, the Thevenin method, Norton method, or the method that involves composition, that is very quickly analyzing circuits that have resistors in series and parallel. Okay? So if you can apply one of these quick intuitive shortcut methods, go do so. All right? If you can't, then usually you can resort to the node method, irrespective of whether the circuit is linear or nonlinear. So the last week was focused on the nonlinear method, uh, nonlinear circuits, and we spent the first lecture talking about uh, a straightforward application of the node method, which gave us a bunch of nonlinear equations that we had to solve. In the last lecture, we talked about the small signal trick. What we said is, if you look at the whole space of nonlinear circuits, then within that space, if we focus on small variations, small perturbations about the operating point, then even the behavior of nonlinear circuits in that small regime would be linear. So small signal method And as an example, I showed you how I could take a highly nonlinear device like the garage door opener LED and using that build a pretty nice transmitter that would transmitter, that would transmit music and as long as it kept the signal small and operated the device in a region where its transfer curve was relatively smooth and I biased or set the operating point appropriately, I would get a linear small signal response. Okay. So today, uh, we're going to do a couple things. Uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, dependent sources and the reading for this is uh, section 2.6 of your uh, course notes. 
and the dependent source will be a new element in your tool chest. Uh, we will also do amplifiers. And amplifiers are in section 7.1 and uh, section 7.2 of your course notes. So before I begin with dependent sources, um, I'm just a huge believer in motivating things with uh, real-world examples, okay? So uh, let me start by motivating why we need an amplifier, okay? Why we need to do things like this, you know? Why do we even bother? And uh, spend a few minutes really getting you to appreciate that amplification is fundamental, okay? Uh, you know, it's as foundational to life as, you know, um, high-fat potato chips and stuff like that. So, uh, so let's do some basic examples here. So first, let me talk about why do we need to amplify signals? Why amplify? Okay, why do we care about building an amplifier? So uh, an amplifier, think of a little box, and apply some, some sort of small input, and I get a larger output. In this example, this may be a voltage with a swing of 10 millivolts. And in this case, the output might be another voltage with a swing of, say, 100 millivolts. And um, commonly, the amplifier, in addition to an input and uh, an output, input port and output port, may also contain a power port, okay? So that I can apply a uh, power supply to the amplifier uh, because uh, commonly as amplifier signal, I'm looking for a power gain as well, an increase in the power uh, provided by the output. So uh, that's an abstract definition of a uh, amplifier. And let's take a look at an example of why we may need this. So let's say I have a small, uh, a useful signal and uh, Let's say the signal has a one millivolt peak-to-peak, -peak, and I'm looking to transmit the signal over a wire to some other point. But let's say that in this environment, I get a bunch of noise that, it's in a noisy environment, um, and in this environment, let's assume that some noise may get superimposed, and if I have a one millivolt signal and 10 millivolts of noise, then what I end up at the output is something that looks like this, and it's really hard to distinguish my one millivolt signal from that large amount of uh, noise. On the other hand, if I did the following, if I took this signal and passed this signal to uh, an amplifier, and I amplified the signal to be a much larger version of the same signal, let's say in this particular situation, a 100 millivolt peak-to-peak -peak signal, okay? So I magnify the signal by a factor of 100, okay? Let's say it's a linear amplifier, and linearly amplify the signal to be 100 millivolts, then in that case, if I added noise on top of this, it's gonna be less discernible, um, it, the signal may look like this. Okay, my 10 millivolts noise would add on to it, but you know, th this is still pretty decent. I can still recognize the input. And so, this is one application of amplification. If I need to send something from point A to point B in an analog, uh, as an analog signal, then amp an amplified signal is less prone to noise attacks than a small signal. Uh, not surprisingly, a large number of devices that are used in everyday life have amplifiers built into them. So, uh, you know, uh, you have a little cell phone, and virtually every single cell phone contains an amplifier. So this is an all, by the way, this is an all digital cell phone, okay? Uh, it's a Kyocera, I forget the number now. Um, it, it's completely digital, okay? But although they say it's completely digital, it turns out that a significant fraction of the circuitry is analog in particular. So digital is sort of a marketing term uh, to say that it's, you know, uh, something special about this. But remember, there's a bunch of analog stuff. So uh, 
Here's my little antenna from the cell phone. Okay, and uh, typically the first thing that happens to a signal as it comes out of the antenna in your cell phone is to look at cell phone circuits uh, or cell phone systems would be something that looks like this. Okay, this and may have a label LNA. Okay, someone want to take a guess at what LNA might stand for? What's that? Linear amplifier. That's pretty good. So that's LNA. But close enough. A is correct. It's amplifier. What does L and N stand for? Low noise. Okay. So this stands for low noise amplifier. So, uh, so the, I get a really rinky-dinky small signal here, and then the low noise amplifier amplifies the signal. And in real cell phones, and for that matter, in your 802.11b or 802.11a or 802.11g wireless cards, same thing, antenna, low noise amplifier, and then you may have a bunch of processing, okay? And commonly you have a bunch of analog processing, and then you, you convert the analog to a digital signal. Okay, I, I recall uh, last week um, I asked somebody in class here, um, how would we transmit the signal uh, from point A to point B without being impacted uh, way too much by noise? And he said, oh, go digital. Good point. Okay, so if I go digital, I can transmit the signal without uh, noise being a real factor. But then uh, the analog to digital converters need the signal strengths to be a given value before it can chop it up into digital levels. Okay, so, so an amplifier is very fundamental, okay? And so in this case, what may be a signal of uh, you know, a few tens of microvolts to, uh, uh, to be amplified to some large enough value that it can be further processed. So, uh, so that's uh, application of amplification in the analog domain. Uh, let me talk about uh, amplification in the digital domain. So that's in the analog domain. This amplification is in the domain where I have both analog and digital. Okay, and now let me talk about amplification in the digital domain. Okay? I'm going to argue that amplification is absolutely foundational to the digital domain. Okay, the digital abstraction would not occur if I did not have basic amplification. Okay, and in the next uh, minute and 37 seconds, I will prove that to you. Okay? So uh, let's, let's do so. So let's suppose I have a very simple uh, digital system. And uh, the system simply contains a pair of inverters. So if I set a 1 here, it's a 0 here and a 1 here. It's a, you know, a very simple, trivial digital system. And uh, here's the input. Here's the output. And we said that for digital systems of this sort to work, they have to follow a static discipline. Okay, our signals and our circuits must follow a discipline for them all to work together. And the discipline we described uh, comprised of signals adhering to certain voltage thresholds so that all the, all the components in the system could agree on what comprised a zero and what comprised a one. Okay, so the way we did that was we said that we would have a threshold called VIH, V input high, another threshold called VIL, V input low. Okay, and we said that this circuit must recognize signals that are higher than VIH, 3 volts, for example, as a 1, and simultaneously any signal that has a voltage level less than VIL, say 2 volts, should be recognized as a 0. Okay, that was the input constraint. <coughs> On the output, it had a similar set of uh, constraints where we had tougher constraints on devices where we said that the output had to satisfy a output low constraint, output high constraint. What this said is that for this circuit to be called a good digital circuit that satisfied the static discipline, signals that were ones here should be recognized as such and if I were producing a 1 as an output, then the signal level should be higher than VOH. Similarly, if the signals are 0, then it should be less than VOL. So as an example, this may be 2 volts, this may be 3 volts, and this may be 4, and this may be 1. Okay, so 
uh, input, I should recognize twos and uh, two volts and less as a zero. But at the output, I have to produce a very, very low value, one. So I have some uh, uh, noise margin. So as an example, so if I were to plot uh, the input and output, so uh, I get my VIL here and VIH here. Uh, this is time. This would comprise a valid digital signal. Zero, one, zero, one, and so on. Okay? Now, <clears throat> I had a tougher set of constraints at the output. I would have VOL, VOH. So at the output, okay, I'm required to stretch the ones and zeros to a more, uh, to be closer to, uh, to be further apart from each other so that I get noise, some noise margin and the corresponding signal for our little circuit there would look like so, right? If this is a valid input, then this would be the corresponding valid output, okay? And need I say more? Okay, you can see that intuitively, look, you know, there's amplification happening here, and the reason is that VOL is chosen to be less than VIL, and VOH is higher than VIH, so therefore, a signal has to be stretched. Signal has to be amplified. Okay? And what's the minimum? What's the minimum amplification needed for the system to work? The minimum amplification is if I had a signal that looked like this. Okay? That barely skimmed the VIL, VIH level. Okay? So if signal were this high, peak to peak, VIH minus VIL. And what's the absolute minimum signal at the output? Would look something like this. Okay, barely skimming VOL and VOH. Okay, so the output corresponding output level would be VOH minus VOL. Okay, so this is the absolute minimum amplification that my signal, that my digital circuit has to provide. Okay, and notice VOH is larger than VIH. VOL is smaller than VIL. Therefore, this quantity needs to be greater than one. Okay, so I've shown you both a simple graphical intuitive explanation, and this is a slightly more formal proof that even the digital circuit really requires to have uh, amplification built into it if it is to satisfy uh, uh, valid static disciplines. Yes? Yes. Is that the same? The question is, is that the same as gain? Um, uh, good question. Yes. The uh, term amplification uh, has many, many uh, variants. You could say gain. Um, you could say amplification. You could say, uh, you know, increase in signal strength, and so on and so forth. Okay. And in fact, uh, when talking about low noise amplifiers, uh, people sometimes talk about uh, having a low noise high-gain amplifier uh, at the input stage. Okay. So uh, let me pause there in terms of motivation. So I believe I've motivated every which way, pure analog, analog digital, and digital. Okay, so I've covered every single base here. And so we need amplification. Okay, so let's look at a, how to build a fundamental primitive device called the amplifier. Before we do that, however, let me take a quick detour. <clears throat> it will be convenient for me, as I show you how to build an amplifier, to introduce a new device, a new element called the dependent source. Okay, let me introduce a new device for your arsenal of devices um, along with resistors. You've learned about a MOSFET, a switch, voltage source, current source, and now a dependent source. So dependent source looks like this. Okay, has an output port. and has a control port. 
So dependent source, uh, in its simplest form, has two ports, an input port, an output port. Remember, a port is a convenient pairing of terminals, okay? And I apply signals to uh, such terminal pairs. But this is a abstract diagram for a dependent source. And to get a little bit more specific, let me show you an example of a dependent source. So let's say here's my input. And uh, I label it, uh, label the uh, terminal variables for the input. Uh, VC is the voltage applied to the input, and IC is the current uh, into uh, this terminal here. And uh, here is the symbol for the dependent source. Much like a current source or a voltage source had a circle around it, the corresponding symbol for a dependent source is like so. So this example, uh, for instance, is a dependent current source. I can apply the corresponding um, output variables, I0, okay? And um, I can say that the current I is some function. In this example, I've designed the example that the current through the current source, I, is some function of the input voltage or the control voltage VC. Okay, so notice that the current through a current source, the current through this current source, I, is some function of another variable. Okay, in this example, it's the voltage across its control port. <coughs> Not surprisingly, this device is called a voltage-controlled current source. or a VCCS. <clears throat> so um, in like manner, I can also devise, in like manner, I can also devise uh, other forms of sources. So you can think of this is a device where a voltage controls an output current. You can think of all other combinations, current controlling current, voltage controlling voltage, current controlling voltage, and so on. So another example, I'll give you another dependent source. And in this situation, my output current is controlled by an input current, VC, um, IC rather. And I claim that I, for this one, is some function of a current IC. Okay, it's another dependent source with the output current through its output port is related to the current IC. And this is a current-controlled current source. Okay, it's a current-controlled current source. And if I had lots of time in my hands and I was looking to kill time, I'd sit around drawing for you other types of dependent sources. I would draw for you a current-controlled voltage source, and I could also draw for you a voltage-controlled voltage source. Okay, so uh, that's an abstract diagram for, a, uh, for such a source. And so let's do a few examples involving elements like, uh, like this. Uh, to begin, uh, just so you can build up your intuition, let me start by doing a simple, very simple circuit involving an independent current source. Okay, just so uh, we can relate back to what uh, we've been doing so far. So let's say I have some resistor, and I have a uh, standard current source with current uh, I0. This is an independent current source. Remember the circle? And uh, some resistor R. And let's say I care about the voltage across the resistor. Okay, so I have uh, current I0 flowing through it. So I can you know, very quickly write down VR as simply uh, I0R. Okay, it's the drop across the resistor when a current I0 flows through it. Okay, so this is you know, what you've been used to doing. Uh, correspondingly, I can do an example with a dependent <coughs> with a dependent current source, and as an example. I'll use a voltage-controlled 
current source. Okay, voltage controlled current source is a dependent current source whose output current depends on the input, uh, on the voltage applied at the control port of the current source. So let me build a little circuit. Okay, so here's my uh, current. And let's say it's a VC, IC, the control port. And similarly, let's say my current I here is some function of the control port voltage. And let's say to be specific, it is some K over VC, some function. Okay, there are a variety of dependent sources that uh, can be built. And here's a hypothetical device where the output current is related to the uh, mathematically related to the input in the following manner. So let me uh, build a circuit of the following form. So let's say I have a resistor R. And here's my circuit. Okay? And as before, let me look to figuring out what VR is. Now notice that I have to supply some voltage at the input so that the output can depend on the input. Okay, right now, I don't know what the in uh, input here. So what I'll do is let me apply VR over here. Okay, so let me draw, make this connection. Okay, let me make the connection from here to here. What I've done is I've applied VR at the control port of the dependent current source. Okay, and, and I often draw a circuit like this. this. This looks pretty messy. I will often draw the circuit like so. R, VR. Okay, short form circuit drawing would look like this. This is a complete drawing where I show you the explicit connections to the control port. But oftentimes, when the control port does not have any other impact on the circuit, you can eliminate the, uh, you don't explicitly show the control port, rather you can simply show the dependence uh, of the output current on whatever circuit variable you have in mind. So you can draw a diamond like this and say its current is some function of VR, where VR in this case is K divided by VR. Okay? Okay, so let's go ahead and analyze this little circuit here and look at what, uh, what, this, might, uh, what this might give us. Our goal, as before, is to find out the value VR. So, um, so in this case, uh, let's apply the node method, uh, node method to this node, and sum the currents into that node to be zero. Okay, so I'll sum the currents going into that node to be zero. The current going down is simply VR divided by R, okay? And that is equal to the current that is going out of the node, and so that is equal to F of VR, and I know that F of VR is given by K divided by VR. Okay, this is a simple application of the uh, node method. So then I collect uh, uh, VRs on the right hand, on the left hand side, and I get VR squared is K divided by, I'm sorry, K times R. Okay, and VR is simply square root of K R. There you go. I'm done. Okay, I've gone ahead and applied the node method to this. And when I have to figure out the current here, I simply reflect uh, the fact that it depends on VR, like so, and I just go and solve the circuit. Remember, the workhorse of the circuit industry, the node method, when in doubt, apply it. Okay, it simply works. And notice this is a nonlinear circuit. Okay, uh, the dependence is nonlinear and I get the uh, uh, response like so. So, uh, you know, to plug in some numbers, supposing uh, K was 10 to the minus 3 amperes per volt, 
and R was one kilo ohm, then I can plug the numbers in, and uh, the kilo here cancels with the 10 minus 3, and I get VR equals 1 volt. Okay, this simply says if I build a circuit like this, then this voltage here will be 1 volt. So, uh, again, as long as you remember that the dependent source is simply another little circuit element, okay, and you usually draw just the output port for dependent sources and reflect the input and reflect the, uh, uh, the way that the control affects the current, right, that will suffice, and you get, through the application of the node method, the, uh, uh, the variable you're interested in. So let's do another example. Okay, of a, another fun current source, a voltage control current source, and uh, look at it this way. So let's say I have a resistor and I have a current source, a resistor RL, and this goes to some, I apply a VS here. Remember this short form notation, uh, that's simply applying a supply VS uh, between that node and uh, ground, okay? And let us say the current ID through the device is some function of the current at its control port. Okay, so I'm not going to show you that, but remember that uh, the device really looks like this, that there is a control port here. I'm not showing that to you. And let us say that I apply some voltage VI to the uh, input port. And the reason we often don't show the input port is for many practical dependent sources, the input has no other effect on the circuit. So for example, in this, in this case, the input has infinite resistance looking in. So therefore, if I apply a VI here, it doesn't draw any current from VI. It simply, you know, I simply apply the voltage VI. It doesn't affect the circuit in any other way, except in terms of how it controls the current ID. So let's say the current ID is some function of VI because VI is applied at the control port. Okay, and as I pointed out before, I oftentimes, just for clarity, just don't show this uh, dependent source explicitly. Okay? So uh, let's uh, work the example. So as I said, uh, I'm going to choose ID to be F of VI. And let's pick some specific uh, parameters here. Let's say it's K by 2, VI minus 1, whole squared. Okay, and let's say this is true for VI less than or equal to 1 volt. And let us also say that ID equals zero for VI less than one volt. Okay, you know, but it's a dependent source and it can have various forms of dependences on the input. And I just picked an example of some hypothetical or as yet hypothetical dependent source. The current through which is uh, related to the input using a square law relation, VI minus one whole squared. As long as VI is greater than one, and if VI is less than one, then the current is simply zero. It shuts off. Okay? So I can go ahead and apply. So let's say I want to find out V0 versus VI. So I care about finding out V0, where V0 is the voltage of this node with respect to ground. Okay? It's, a, it's a slightly more complicated circuit than you saw up here, you saw up there. So let's go ahead and uh, do this example. Start by applying the workhorse of the circuits business, the node method. And uh, let's start with uh, doing this for VI. Let's first do it for VI greater than one. Notice the behavior of this is different for different ranges of VI. So let's first do it for VI greater than or equal to one and apply the node method. Node method says sum the currents going into this node 
Uh, we know the voltage at this node, it's Vi. We know the voltage at this node, it's Vs. Okay, the only unknown is V0. And so let's go ahead and uh, write the node equations for uh, that node. So uh, the current going up, let me simply uh, equate the current going up to the current that has been supplied by this particular node here, and that should equate to uh, uh, the, the two of them should sum to zero. The current going up plus the current coming down should sum to uh, sum to zero. So I get V0 minus Vs divided by R. That's the current going up. Plus the current going down must sum to zero. Plus ID must sum to zero. And ID is known to be K divided by two Vi minus one whole squared. That must equal zero. Straightforward application of node method. Current going up plus the current going down at this node should equal zero because the total current leaving the node must be zero. Okay? So I can go ahead and uh, simplify this, multiply throughout by, uh, I call this RL here. So multiply throughout by RL and move all of this to the other side. So I get uh, Vs divided by RL, multiply throughout by RL. I get Vs on the side. I take this term to the other side. This becomes a minus. RL multiplies here, so I get K RL That's the expression I get. V naught is given by Vs minus KRL divided by 2 times Vi minus 1 whole squared. Let me put a box around this because uh, I will be referring to this uh, more times in 6002 for a variety of reasons than probably any other equation on Earth. Okay, this is the first time you saw it. You saw it here. Okay? Mark it down. You will smile every other time you look at it in quizzes, and, and, and you will find out why this comes up very often in 6002. So I'll just give you uh, in a few seconds to savor this big moment in your 6002 life. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's uh, so it's pretty simple, actually. I mean, this, you know, there's really not much. A lot of this stuff is just a plain old simple application of the node method, and things just fall out. It's just so simple. So the V0, I apply the node method, I get V0 for this uh, nonlinear circuit. Um, I can also do it for VI less than 1. Okay, for VI less than 1, when VI is less than 1, what happens? ID is 0. Okay, since ID is 0, think of this as an open circuit. Okay, so there's no voltage drop across RL. And this voltage V0 is equal to Vs. <clears throat> so um, I like to see things in pictures. Uh, I'm not an equations kind of person. I'm much more of a graphical person. So let me draw a little graph to show how V0, uh, to see the form of V0, and then let's... Uh, study that, uh, that little system a little bit more carefully. So this is page 7. I'm going to plot V0 versus VI for you. And let's take a look at uh, how this really simple circuit looks. You know, this, this has got nothing. It's got a RL resistor connected to a supply and a dependent current source. I can apply some voltage VI at the input. Very, very simple circuit. So let's see. So as long as VI is less than 1, so as long as VI is less than 1, the output stays at Vs. Okay, that makes intuitive sense, right? As long as the current here is 0, this is like an open circuit here. If this is an open circuit, then effectively V0 is simply the, the voltage Vs. V0 simply appears here. Okay, if you want to grunge through KVL and KCL, go ahead. Vs minus RL times the current is V0, and the current is 0, so it's Vs. So this is simply Vs. When the current, when Vi goes above 1 volt, fun stuff begins to happen. Okay, when V0 goes above 1 volt, then this equation applies because uh, it's, you know, VI is greater than 1. This equation applies. And when VI is a 1, 
1 minus 1 is 0, this term cancels out, so this is Vs. Okay, phew. So uh, I start off here. As Vi increases, what happens now? As Vi increases, this term here becomes increasingly negative, okay, and subtracting from Vs. Okay, so I get some behavior like this. V0 begins to draw. Okay, and it makes intuitive sense, right? As ID begins to increase, the voltage here will, will begin to drop because I'm drawing more and more current through RL. I'm dropping more and more across RL. So more and more drops across RL, so V0 begins to drop too. No big shakes here. So it looks something like, something like this. I'll show you a little demo. But my claim is that you have just seen an amplifier. Whoa. You just saw an amplifier. So I snuck an amplifier by you. Okay? So uh, okay, I just snuck an amplifier past you, and I'll show you uh, why in a second. <clears throat> so let's take a look, of this, a look at this waveform here. Let's not worry about uh, what happens way down here. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, look at this uh, curve here. I claim there is amplification in the following sense. <clears throat> Focus on some change in the input voltage, delta Vi. Okay, and for that change in the input voltage, I get some change in the output voltage. Okay, for some change in the input voltage, delta Vi, I get some change in the output voltage. And guess what? In this, at least the way I have drawn it, delta V0 divided by delta Vi, if I can find regions of the curve where this is greater than 1, then I have Amplification. Okay, so what, what's that saying? What that's saying is that if I apply some voltage here, okay, and I change that voltage by a small amount from, let's say, 2 volts to 2.1, okay, I'm going to find the output voltage. So let's say I go from 2 to 2.1 here, okay, but abstractly out there, I might have an output that goes from 3 to, let's say, 2 volts, perhaps. Okay, so for a 0.1 change here, I'm going to get a bigger drop here, say from 3, to, 3 volts to 2 volts, giving me an amplification in this little circuit. Okay? So we'll, we'll see this again and again, and uh, you'll really understand it. So I have a small change in the input, and I have a correspondingly larger change in the output. So I've shown you an amplifier. I haven't shown you a linear amplifier, Okay, there's an extra charge for that. Okay, that will happen later. Okay, all I've shown you so far is an amplifier, and this happens to be a crummy amplifier. It's a non-linear amplifier because notice, you know, this is not linear. I mean, it's a nice little curve, and so it's not linear. But you know, I, I promised you an amplifier, and you know, I'm cheap, and that's all you get for now. Okay, we'll see linear stuff later. But for now, I have a little amplifier. So let's do some real numbers and plot some numbers down and also look at a demo. So let's do an example. Let's say Vs is 10 volts. Let's say K is 2 milliamps per volt squared. And let's say RL is 5 kilo ohms. Okay? So let me substitute these values into that equation. And I get V0 is Vs is 10. So it's 10 minus. KRL divided by 2. So K is 2 milliamps. Uh, 2 milliamps times 5 kilo ohms is 10. Divided by 2 gives me 5. And VI minus 1 squared. That's what I have. <clears throat> I just plugged in a bunch of numbers, and that's what I get. So what I'll do is let me just do a little table for you and plot using uh, real numbers, simply plot that, uh, plot those values for you. 
So when VR is zero, um, my current is zero, and I get, oh, that equation doesn't apply, by the way. That applies when VI is greater than one. Okay, so as long as VI is less than one, my output is simply VS. My output is simply 10 volts. Okay, so all the way up to one, my output V is, uh, all the numbers are in, uh, units are all volts. That's what I get. Um, I come down to two. If I plug in two for VI, two minus one is a one. So it's one squared. Five times one squared is five. And 10 minus five is five. I get five out here. Okay? And then uh, you can go and do the math. If it's uh, 2.1, I get a 4 volts here. Uh, 2.2, I get a 2.8, and so on. Okay? Notice that the 0.1 volt change here resulted in a, when I go up a 0.1 change this way, it resulted in a minus 1 volt change there. So input went up by 0.1 volts. My output, you know, curved down by one whole volt. Okay, so a small change here resulted in a bigger change there, and that's the amplification that I am uh, claiming here. Okay, so uh, let me show you a little demo of a small device that I built involving such a uh, dependent source. Okay. <clears throat> Let's do it here. Okay, so uh, on my x-axis is VI, and VO is on my y-axis, and focus on this little point here. Okay, um, right now my VI is zero, and so therefore that's my output. And I'm gonna gradually increase VI, and you're gonna watch the output and see how it behaves, pretty much like the little uh, graph I drew for you. So I'm increasing VI. Okay, notice that uh, initially the, the, the current source is off, the dependent current source is off, so I move straight down. Okay, nothing happens until I hit uh, a value at which the, the current source begins to come on, and then I begin to see a drop in the output as the current source begins to conduct current. Okay, you see that? So you see that as I increase the voltage VI, boom, you see the huge drop. Okay, I notice that for a small change, I'm now getting a big drop in the, uh, in the output. Okay, um, so let's, let's pause here for a second, and in the last couple of minutes, I want to cover one last, uh, one last point. Can you go to the continuous curve? Okay. <clears throat> Want to go up a little bit? Okay. So notice that uh, the curve I've shown you up there looks like the curve up here. Uh, it goes in the uh, kaboom. It kind of drops uh, according to some kind of formulation that I've shown you here. Okay. Um, in the last couple of minutes, uh, let me discuss a, uh, a, a small point. It's a practical issue. Okay. Um, in, in the curve that I showed you, in the mathematics that I gave you, we just go by the math. So, you know, what I'm going to show you now will, will dif distinguish a mathematician from an electrical engineer. Okay, mathematician would have taken the curve and reported it like this. This is zero. Okay? Mathematically, that equation says that starting here, this current simply goes down, Kerplank. But if I told you that this device that I have here, this dependent source, is a practical dependent source. It's a, it's a, it's a device that uh, you know, I have physically built, and I also say that it's a passive device. In other words, it, it cannot produce power. Okay, it's like a little resistor. It doesn't produce power. It's a passive device. And so if it's a passive device, if I tell you that, then you're going to say something doesn't make sense here. Mathematically, it says it should look like this. But what's special about a point down here? 
Point down here says that the output has gone negative. Okay, this is zero here. Output has gone negative. Okay, and my current source is still supplying a current. Okay, so what up here, the voltage across the device is positive, V naught is positive, and it's supplying a current, so it's consuming power. It's burning power like a resistor. Okay, like all bad little resistors do, they burn power. Okay, so here, on the other hand, my output has gone to be negative, but it's still sitting there sinking current. Okay, because VO is negative, but my current is still in the same direction, what has now happened is that the device has begun to supply power. So mathematically, this curve says that the device has begun to supply power. It turns out it's not a practical device, it's a passive device, so it cannot go here. Okay, so what happens is that somewhere along here, a model breaks down. Okay, the equation I've shown you for the current source, where is it? Oh, here we go. This model breaks down. Okay, when V0 becomes very small, the model breaks down and it no longer behaves like a current source. Okay, it begins to behave more and more like a resistor and what happens realistically is that the output goes down and then kind of becomes a zero hugging line. Okay, and I'll show you that in a second. And, and it doesn't, in this particular device, it doesn't really go down here. Okay? Let me just show you that part. So notice for that device, mathematically, just by that model, it should just have gone through the floor and you know, punched through to the corridor below. But uh, it's a practical device, and notice that it, the model breaks down, and that's what begins to happen. Okay, the, the, divide, the device stops behaving like a dependent current source. Rather, it behaves like some corny old resistor or something like that and uh, saturates out. Okay.